When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm Ben Bolin. And I'm Scott Benjamin. And Scott, today I think we should start with some listener mail if you're okay with it. Seems like a good place to go. All right. Now, these uh, we've got a couple here, and let's see if we can isolate the common theme. All right? Reza B. writes to us and says, Hi, guys. I just listened to your top 10 cars of 2014, and you mentioned that the LaFerrari was the only hybrid car to compete with the Porsche 918 Spyder. However, I think that you have forgotten the incredible McLaren P1. It is from one of the smaller car companies, so your mistake was acceptable. Thanks for the great podcast. Oh, well, thanks, Reza. It was acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next, um, our buddy Alex, uh, also known as Ziggy Man Saad, writes in and says, Hey, guys, good list for that episode. He's referring to the same podcast. We missed a pretty important car, the McLaren P1. I'm not sure how you missed it because it competes directly with the Porsche 918. And, oh, man, what a car it is. Check it out. It is balls to the wall crazy. And, uh, you guys... We might have, we might have done a little bit of a, uh, of a move on you, a little bit of a bait and switch because we were waiting to do this episode, the entire episode dedicated to the McLaren P1. That's a nice spin, Ben. And we've got all that information in front of us. So we're going to talk about it now off the cuff. You know, we forgot to mention the P1. Of course, we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. the 918. That yeah. just happens, I guess. I was just trying to think. I, I was lucky to come up with the LaFerrari, as a matter of fact, because, <laughs> you know, my focus was on whatever car was next on our list. So I wasn't really thinking about the competitors to that vehicle. At the time, yeah, I dropped the ball. I'm just covering myself really at this point. But, uh, <laughs> but we did have all the stuff that we're talking about for the, uh, the McLaren P1 lined up and ready to go. And we've got it for you today. So. You know, fear not. There's plenty of information about the P1 coming right now. Yeah. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing car, Ben. Uh, yeah. So just at the most basic level, uh, you know what? I guess we have to let the cat out of the bag right now at the most basic level. What is the McLaren P1? It is a limited production 
hybrid supercar. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it is, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't know, Noel, I don't know if you have to censor me when I say it, but this car is badass. It definitely is. I don't think you'll have to be censored for that because it <laughs> definitely is. This car is awesome, and it definitely holds its ground against the Porsche 918 Spider and the LaFerrari that we've mentioned briefly you know, on other podcasts as well. But um, we've got some specs, you know, some comparative specs that go along with this. I want to talk about what what Top Gear thought of this thing, because Jeremy Clarkson drove the car and uh, gave it a a raving review, just a wonderful car. I mean, some of the things that he says about it are really shocking. Yeah, and uh, can you you catch us up with some of that stuff? Yeah, you want to do it right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll get into the specs and all that stuff right now. But, I mean, as he walks us through this car, I mean, this will give you a little hint about what it's all about if you're not familiar with the P1. But right. I guess what, what strikes me most about this whole thing is that this is a pretty jaded guy. This is a, you know, Jeremy Clarkson, he's driven a lot of cars. And I mean, a lot of cars right. and the best that any manufacturer has to offer, right? So when, you know, Bugatti brings him a car, it's the factory prep car that's ready to go. It's the, it's the best Bugatti they've got on hand at Bugatti at the time. It's the best Ferrari they've got on hand at Ferrari at the time or Porsche or whatever. Yeah. He drove a McLaren P1. I'm sure they did the same thing for McLaren, but he drove a McLaren P1. I think he was in Belgium when he did it, um, which may sound odd, but you'll figure it out in just a minute when I talk about where he, where he test drove it at. Right. Um, an incredible, incredible review of this car. I mean, and just to see it in action was really definitely worth it. So, um, he, he says throughout this whole thing, he says it's almost like he, he calls it like science fiction almost, man. The way this thing is put together, he said that every, it's, it's got extreme, attention to detail. I mean, everything is thought about. And this reminded me a lot of like what we talked about in the Corvette. Mm-hmm. When we said every single gram has to fight its way onto that car. To oh, be, yeah, that's it has right. has to be earned onto the car. It's the exact same thing with this, only he says this is maybe even beyond that. This is this is an incredible car. It has, it has 324 cell lithium-ion high-density battery battery cells that run this thing, so that run the, uh, the electric motor part of this thing, because there's right. an, an engine and a motor, of course, for a hybrid car. And the electric motor itself puts out 176 horsepower. So that's not bad for, you know, just the electric motor part of it. It's not, you know, supercar fast or anything, by the, by the way. But um, the engine part of this, the, the gasoline engine, is a 3.8 liter twin turbo V8 that puts out 722 horsepower. And that's for a grand total because they work together. They work combined. Right. 903 horsepower in the McLaren P1. And this vehicle is a hybrid that is in- Entirely performance related. Yeah. No. This is not a hybrid to save gas. No. Money. And, you know, let's get this out of the way right now because I, I was really kind of struggling over this, how to say this, because, you know, they're not in it. The, these supercar manufacturers like this are not in it for the eco benefits. Really. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Let's just say it. It's, it, they're, they're, they're using the, the best of both worlds, I guess. They're using yeah. the best, you know, the low end torque of the, of the electric motors. They're using the, uh, the, the power, I guess, of the, of the gasoline engine, you know, 3.8 right. liter twin turbo, Ooh. you know, the giant V8 engine. And they're, they're mating them together, together, making them work together in, in different ways now for the, for the Porsche and for the LaFerrari and the McLaren. They all use them in different manners. But um, the way that the McLaren uses it, it can go all electric. You know, it's able to drive in all electric mode, and he does that in this in this short video clip, this review. It's like a 15 minute review that I watched. Yeah, yeah. And he drives it in all electric mode, but the the range is very very slight. The range is 6.2 miles for all our U.S. listeners. For everybody else, that is 10 kilometers. Yeah. That's right, 10 kilometers. Yeah. But to be fair, you're not really driving this thing in electric mode. Ever really? I mean, you can if you want to. 
I don't, I don't really see much benefit in doing that. And they point out that even, you know, with an engine and a motor working, yeah, it's putting out about the same, you know, carbon dioxide emissions as, as would like a regular family sedan. Yep. So it's not anything that's, you know, tremendously, you know, like an over output of, of CO2 or anything like that. Right. Um, it's definitely cut way back because of this technology, but it's not also something that's going to be running, you know, slipping through the air as, as, uh, um, eco-friendly as like a Prius would be. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, Obviously. And we'll have some, we'll have some, uh, fun comparing. Yeah. Prius and and, and now let me just kind of run through now. Yeah, yeah. I, and I took just real quick notes as, as Top Gear went through this and I'm, I'm going to do this quickly and then we'll get through, uh, through, you know, some, some more of the specs, I guess, that people want to hear about. But, Great. um, some of the, the, the observations that he made along the way were, were that it was, it was comfortable. But it really didn't have any luxuries that you would think it would normally have. Like there was no glove box, there's no carpets. The glass is thinner than a, than glass would be on a normal car. Now that's part of the racing car history or the her- heritage, rather. Yeah. Um, normal cars, I think they have something like five millimeter glass. This has like three and a half millimeters thick glass all the way around. In the back, there are the pieces of glass that just aren't there. You know, they got blanking plates instead of glass because that's an additional weight it didn't need to carry. Yeah. Um, they're so concerned about weight that they didn't put lacquer on the carbon fiber trim. So it's just raw carbon fiber, which you don't see anywhere really. Usually you see it lacquered and smoothed over. So, right. you know, it doesn't cut up your fingertips when you <laughs> run them over it. But, um, and the reason for that was that it saves what they said was one and a half kilograms of weight, which is about 3.3 pounds of weight over the whole vehicle. So that kind of attention to detail is what they're, what they're doing here. Um, it has extremely light chassis, of course, and titanium trimming. So anything that, you know, would normally be any other kind of metal on the car would be titanium. So very lightweight, yeah. very strong. The body is made up of just five panels. So five exterior panels. And that means less glue, less, uh, less, um, body fasteners, things like that, nuts and bolts to yep. hold the whole thing together. So again, less weight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, uh, the Lotus principle of, of, you know, weight saving. That's a very good comparison. Yeah. I think that's the best way to compare it. And then despite the fact that it has, you know, a, a full engine, it also has an electric motor and a bank of batteries and all that. It still weighs less than what he said was the, uh, the, the Vauxhall Astra. And I looked up Vauxhall Astra because here in the States, we don't have Vauxhall brand. Right. Uh, but that's a, a small family car from Vauxhall Motors, which is a, a subsidiary of, uh, the General Motors brand from here in the mm. United States. So, yeah. um, again, just picture a small sedan. This car weighs less than that and it's a big supercar. Yeah, it weighs, uh, we, I think we already gave the number 3,075 pounds. We didn't give that weight, but that is a, uh, that's a relatively lightweight vehicle. I mean, when you talk about some of the, um, the other cars like the Porsche 918 Spider, which comes in at like 3,691 pounds. So, yeah. you know, that's a full, uh, that's almost, that's 600 six, pounds. That's 600 pounds heavier than the, uh, than the McLaren P1 for good reason too, because, you know, they, they do all this weight saving, um, Technology, they've all wrapped up. So, you know, he says that it's economical, it's fast, and he says it's, it's really fast, it's mind-blowingly fast. And this is where he gets into some of these comments that, you know, this is where the, the jaded character, you know, that he, he's driven so many cars and so many fantastic cars that anytime he says something like this, I get kind of excited about it because, you know, it's, it sounds like, <laughs> right. um, you know, it, it sounds like it's really, really making an impression on him. Well, yeah, and he won't mince words. No. He doesn't like No, something. so he tested it, and this is why he's in Belgium. He tested it at the Spa track, which is the Formula One track, of course. Very fast track. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, you know, wild, you know, wild track as far as uh, F1 series goes, even. Um, said that it was really clever in the way this whole thing worked out. It adapts to the way you drive. It, it moves to suit the environment that the vehicle is in mm-hmm. on its own. It does it, you know, based on speed, based on how you're driving. This is what makes this car really incredible. As the speed goes up, 
the rear wing raises to generate downforce, of course, which is kind of understood, right? A lot of cars do that. Now, when you look at the rear wing on this thing, though, we're talking it goes way up. Yeah. It almost looks like it goes like almost like two feet in the air up. It goes way up like a uh, like an F1 car would or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but if you go past 156 miles per hour, the wing goes back down a little bit. And that's to make it a little slippier, slipperier. Is that the right way? Kind of, uh, well. Make it uh, smoother through the air, I guess. There we go. It makes it yeah. flow through the air a little better. Sure. Um, and it says that, you know, above 156, that wing, that huge wing, is putting so much downforce on the rear wheels, because this is a rear-wheel drive car. It's not all-wheel drive. It's rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. It's putting so much downforce on the rear wheels that after 156, it would put so much pressure on there that the, the chassis would break. That's yeah. how that's how much downforce this thing is putting on. Okay, thing. wait, wait, let's stop. Everybody think about that. So much downforce that it would break the car. Yeah, the suspension. I said the chassis, but the suspension would snap, right? So uh, that's that's incredible. Now, um, the exhaust works with the uh, with the rear diffuser to generate kind of an area of low pressure behind the vehicle, which pulls the back end of the car in as it drives. Mm -hmm. The wheels are are military grade aluminum, which is uh, just kind of another interesting feature, which you won't really read about too often. The brake discs are made from a material that's only ever been used in the Ariane space program because of their heat resistance. Right, and yeah. uh, they're coated with something called silicon carbide, which is the hardest substance known to man. So this car is, I mean, it's over the top in the way this thing was engineered. It was, uh, it was just, again, it's overdone, it's redundant in the way things are done, but space saving, or not space saving, but weight saving in yeah. every, in every aspect. And we have some uh, good information about. Well, do you want to keep going with some Top Gear stuff? I, I guess. I want to job. Maybe, I got some stuff. I'm about. nearing the end, and then I'll let you, I'll let you have it. But um, we're talking about acceleration. We'll talk exact numbers. But oh yeah. He does mention that from zero to 160 miles per hour, this thing is faster than a VW Golf will go zero to 60 miles per hour. That's <laughs> that's how fast this car is. Zero to 160. Just contemplate that for just a moment. Like yeah. how how quick that is. That's faster than some cars zero to 60 time. And and a golf, it's not a, an exactly slow car by any right. means. I mean, it's a, it's peppy, I guess. It's got a little bit of zip. And, a and this is maybe the the biggest thing, and this is what I'll wrap up with because this is kind of the end. But this is maybe the thing that that struck me the most. And again, he's driven so many cars, but he says for years cars have all been basically the same. But this really isn't. It's a game changer, a genuinely new chapter in the history of motoring, is what he calls this car. That's that's how surprised he was by what he found when he got behind the wheel of this thing. And he probably, uh, he probably said exactly what, uh, the McLaren team was hoping for. Scott, this car was hand assembled by a top tier group of 61 engineers, mm-hmm. the creme de la creme. And, uh, they were making one car a day. Uh, the first delivery took place in October of 2013. So if you think about it, this is not, this is not by any means an, an old thing. This is innovative. This is out the box. I, as you know, I can be pretty skeptical about hybrids and I'm still not happy with that BMW that we talked about in that original episode. But this one is winning me over. And I think as we're going to find in this episode, um, let's, let's do some stats and maybe talk about how this crazy thing became a real car. Sure. We can do that. Now, if you want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about where it came from really, I guess, because, yeah, let's do that. all right, well, it comes from McLaren automotive and you may be surprised to learn. Now we talked about Bruce McLaren, you know, Bruce right. McLaren who passed away in uh, 1970 at, at testing 
at, at uh, Goodwood. Yeah, at the Goodwood House or at the Goodwood Circuit, rather. Mm-hmm. And um, you would think that that Bruce McLaren was the founder of McLaren Automotive, but that's not the case. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Ron Dennis. And Ron Dennis, who's uh, he's 66 now, he's, an, he's the executive chairman of McLaren Automotive, um, Englishman. He's uh, he was the team principal of McLaren Racing, the F1 team. Um, until about 2009, I think he held that position for something like 29 years, Ben. Wow. He was the, the team principal from like 1980 until 2009. Um, but he left to build streetcars with McLaren Automotive. And that was actually continue, a continuation of the dream that Bruce McLaren had mm-hmm. when he died in 1970 because he was, he was working on a car called the McLaren M6 GT, which was kind of a road going race car that he had, uh, it, well, made to, into a road-going car. It's a race car that he had made into a street car. It's like a barely street-legal race car. Yeah, and he was driving this on the roads for yeah. for some time, you know, several months at least, before his death. Mm-hmm. Um, used it as a personal transportation, and it was kind of the prototype of these cars. And I think two of these cars were actually built, uh, but his dream was to build production vehicles at one point. You know, because, you know, he had already done the race car thing. He'd been... Yep building and he'd, he'd you know started the mclaren race team and everything and he decided well let's build a road going car and we'll, we'll try that next and um this was his thing and then when he died in 1970 that dream kind of you know died with him and then you know it wasn't until much much later when ron dennis picked it up again and said well let's let's make this thing a reality Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. 
is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And uh, if you'd like to hear some more about the McLaren story, just as a side note here, a little sidebar, uh, go ahead and check out our earlier episode on the subject. Right? Yeah, and, and this is not to discount the uh, the McLaren F1, which, you know, is, it's its own topic, you know, but that was an, another supercar from the past that uh, we should talk about at some point in our history here. But um, yeah. the McLaren one, that was, uh, when was that? That was in the early 1990s. I think mm-hmm. in 1992, I think, is when the F1 production began. And it was a, a real limited production as well, just kind of like the uh, McLaren F1. Have, right. we, have we said how many P1s are going to be built? Uh, I don't think we have specifically said. Is well, it uh, 375? 375. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the limited production of the P1. So you know, if you see one of these things, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be pretty rare. It's a rare bird, I guess. Yeah. And oh, here's another fun fact about this: uh, they are sold out. Yes. The P1s are sold out. They are pre-ordered, uh, and everybody who wanted to get one, uh, well, that's not the right way to say it. Everyone who jumped on it has gotten one, but was first come, first serve. Uh, the only way that you will be able to get a P1 now, if you are not already on that very small, very short list, is if you buy a used one from the people who own them. And, that, them new. and that'll probably start happening soon, I would think. Now, sure. now, pricing, if you're not impressed enough already that they're only building 375 oh, and you know some of the go. things that we mentioned, yeah. pricing is somewhere, if you want to go U.S. dollars, Ben, Mm-hmm. Around one point three five million dollars. So that's the uh, that's the starting point. However, they do want to point out that most, I think, I think it was something like uh, a huge percentage of these things. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to state a percent. Seventy five percent, I think, uh-huh. have opted for some kind of level of unique customization to their McLaren P one from you know a place called McLaren Special Operations. Right. Yeah. And so you know that one point three mil- three five million just isn't enough to spend on that car. They want to add, you know, whatever type of luxury features, you know, I don't know, ostrich leather or whatever they're going to sure, add. I, yeah. I don't know what the options are. But like I'm, one of those big airbrushed uh, pictures of uh, Mother Maria or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's what they would <laughs> add, something like that. And that's going to cost them a, a little bit more. So the average price then goes up to something like $1.6 million. And I know that you mentioned that, you know, they've already delivered a couple of cars. They've delivered some to the uh, to owners in the U.K. beginning on, in October of 2013. Right, yep. And they say that, you know, soon enough they're going to be coming here to the United States. And they think that the United States is going to be the, the P1's biggest market. That, well, actually, you know what? They can already say that because they know where they're going, right? Right. Yeah. They've already, they kind of allocated different, uh, they, they allocated portions of the, of the run of the production to different areas of the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, by August, McLaren already knew that they were sold out of the cars they intended for the Middle East. For Asia and for uh, North and South America, and then by November of 2013, uh, they were sold out in Europe as well. Um, one one thing we should note with the customization here, and this is this is a really neat thing: um, the people who purchase a McLaren are able to remotely watch its assembly. And uh, you know, I was joking about having some gaudy airbrush picture on there, but you would probably be surprised, especially if you're not familiar with supercar customization, uh, you would be surprised by the level of 
detail that is um, that's possible in this kind of custom issue. Well, even in the standard production, I mean, I think people yeah. would be blown away by how clean the facilities are. I mean, it's like an yeah. operating room when they put these things together. Yeah, it's like a clean room for NASA yeah. or something. What, is it, what do you say, 61 people, 61 engineers building one car a day? Yeah. So you got to imagine what that environment is going to be like. It's going to be remarkable. It's going to be clean. It's going to be uh, precise. Everything's going to be exactly where it should be. You know, nothing's going to be left out at the end of the day. No tools in the workbench, that kind of thing. So <laughs> I would, I would love to go to the uh, to the facility and see someone's car being built. That would be really cool. Yeah, I wonder what the I wonder what the vetting process for that is. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay. So so we know that yes, this is a little more expensive than your average Geo Metro to put it. Uh, to put it uh, in understatement of the year. But we also know that uh, this is worth it. Scott, I, I guess, should we should we go into stats? Yeah, there's so many things, though. I mean, stats, it's a tricky game to play because once we start talking about that, then we want to talk about, like, the uh, the Kerr system that it has on board and some of the F1 technology. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's just kind of laundry list this stuff, and we'll see where it takes us. How about okay, that? Okay, and uh, let's also not be not hesitate to compare it to the F1. All right, let's do that. So uh, it's rear-wheel drive. Right. Um, has a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. It's a mid-engine design, of course, which we talked about. So it's just behind the uh, the driver's seat and passenger seat. Um, it, it it's in uh, the driver, the passenger enclosed in something called the mono cage, which is a safety cage concept. Yep. Um, carbon fiber monocoque and and roof structure. So that's kind of like this all-encompassing carbon fiber tub, I guess that you would be in. Right. Um, actually, more than a tub, really. Um, and it's not the same monocell that was used in the current uh, McLaren, the MP4-12C and the MP4-12C Spider. Uh, which came out in early 2012. So it's not the same as the monocell. It's a different thing. It's a brand new thing called the mono cage. Um, we mentioned that it has a twin turbo 3.8 liter V8 engine. Mm-hmm. And again, that 3.8 liter is not the same engine that's used in the McLaren MP412C. The only thing that it has that shares there is the displacement. It's a completely different engine. Right. Yeah. Something unique. And the horsepower out of this one, out of just the engine is 727 horsepower. And the torque is something like 531 pound feet of torque just out of the engine. And when you combine that with the in-house, oh, that's the other thing. This is an in-house developed electric motor. So it's their own McLaren brand motor, I guess. They're not, they're not sourcing that from someone else. Proprietary. That's smart. Exactly. So that produces 176 horsepower, which I mentioned, and 192 pound feet of fork, of torque, (laughs) of fork. Uh, (laughs) So anyways, uh, the total output of this whole thing together, I mean, because it does work together in concert, Mm -hmm. 903 horsepower and 722 pound feet of torque, which is, that's amazing. So if we put this on the road, what that translates to is 0 to 62 miles per hour in under 3 seconds, 2.8 to be exact. Which is faster than the McLaren F1. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, the hybrid P1 is a full 5.5 seconds faster than the F1. Ah, yeah, but 5.5 seconds faster, I think that's that's for the quarter mile time. If you uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm sorry, that's, uh. But that's okay, cause we're gonna get to the quarter mile time. Cause I, I'll tell you the quarter mile time right now, and that'll make, that'll make sense then. Okay. Uh, the standing quarter mile is something like 9.8 seconds at 152 miles per hour. Now that's, uh, that's pretty fast. I mean, that's faster than the F1, the McLaren F1, of course, the, the previous one. Yeah. Um, you said five and, five and a half seconds faster. That's faster than the Bugatti Veyron, which does it at ten and a half seconds mm-hmm. at 140 miles per hour. So, Again, this thing is, I mean, it's a, it's a world-class supercar, really. It's a hybrid, which is strange. I mean, you know, this, this whole thing with the new hybrid supercars is all strange to me. The, the 918, the LaFerrari, the P1. Yeah. It's all a little bit weird, but, you know, I'm beginning to be won over by these things. By, by this 
this group, I guess, not the not the standard mm-hmm. sedans, you know, the the uh, the coupes or whatever, mm-hmm. and maybe not so much those yet, but uh, the the supercar hybrid ver- versions, uh, they're pretty cool. They've got their they've got their benefits. Yeah, and I think that we are learning a lot about the potential of hybrids mm-hmm. because whenever there's a whenever there's a new innovation, I always think that we have to go through quite a few iterations mm-hmm. that are far from perfect, uh, but it's all a learning process. And speaking of learning, Scott, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Cool. Uh, and speaking of flawless segues, let's go back to... Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about times a little bit more, because yeah. you had mentioned, you know, the 0 to 62. They, they always do 0 to 62 mm-hmm. uh, in Europe, so that's yeah. uh, 100 kilometers per hour, and that's why they do that. Um, oh, let's talk about breaking time. Uh, we'll do that, too. Yeah. But uh, 0 to 62 in 2.8 seconds. So we're talking, like, motorcycle faster, Ben, really. Yeah. I mean, I know their motorcycle's faster, I know, but this is a huge car. It's a it's a th- almost 3,100-pound car that's going... Yeah. Zero to sixty in two point eight seconds. 
Then it's uh, 0 to 124 miles per hour in 6.8 seconds. That's, okay, just to be honest, that's that's a fast 0 to 60 time for most cars. Right. 6.8 seconds. Yeah. Uh, 0 to 186 miles per hour in just 16.5 seconds. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So, But you'll have to be able to stop that as well. Ah, yes. The, it takes uh, only 6.2 seconds to completely break from 186 miles per hour. Oh, wow. Uh, during that time, you will cover uh, about 246 meters. So, okay, so let's see. That would be uh, 16. Okay, so it takes 16.5 seconds to get up to 186. Mm-hmm. And then it takes 6.2 seconds to break from 186 down to zero. So what's that? That's uh, 22, uh, 22.7 seconds. So under a minute. Uh, well, 22.7 seconds to get from yeah, to wow. get from zero to 186 down to zero again. Yeah, that, how long incredible. does it how long does it take for your heart rate to go back to normal? This reminds me of the old <laughs> like, you know, the uh the test that they would do with the cobra all the time, the 0 to 100 to 0 thing. But, oh, yeah, but yeah. this goes up to 186 and back down to 0 again in 22.7 seconds. Yeah, in fact, the top speed of the P1 is 217 miles per hour, 350 kilometers. However, it could go faster, but it is electronically limited by the manufacturer. Yeah, so it doesn't damage itself. We've talked about uh, speed yeah. limiters before, right? I, right, think, I yeah. think we have, right? And it's got these, um, okay, this is a good time to talk about some of these, these F1-derived features that I think we should mention. Oh, yeah, good call. It has something called Instant Power Assist System. And this is a, um, this is, well, actually, what I'll talk about is there are two buttons on the steering wheel. The I-Pass button, which is Instant Power Assist, is, is one of them on the right-hand side, I believe. And it gives an instant boost in acceleration via the electric motor. So it stores up all this energy, allows you to kind of unleash uh, some power that had been stored up in the electric motor. Um, and then there's also this drag reduction system, uh, which is, they call it DRS. And that's on the left-hand side. With, you use it with your left thumb, I guess. It's a blue yeah. button. And that operates the car's rear wing. And that increases straight-line speed depending on how you use it. I mean, it's this huge rear wing that you can activate or deactivate. Um, pretty impressive either way. And the I-Pass... And DRS are operated via push buttons that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then it also has this, uh, this, well, it's this thing that kind of continually operates, I guess. And it's, it's, it's the same system they use in F1 called the KERS system. And KERS is something that you'll hear mentioned when you talk about the, uh, LaFerrari and also in the 918 Spider, I believe. And, uh, they're all kind of using this new technology, but it's not new, brand new. But, um, right. what that does is it recovers the moving vehicle's kinetic energy under braking and it stores it in a reservoir. And it's not exactly like, it's not exactly like regenerative regenerative braking, which we hear about in you know smaller cars like the Toyota Prius and the Nissan Leaf and all right. those vehicles. But it's a similar idea. It's it's a similar idea, but it stores this energy in a in a flywheel or in batteries for later use under acceleration only. So it's not just storing up, you know, like in a general fund, I guess. Yeah. You know, for this power, it's it's like this is used for acceleration only. Yeah, it's a dedicated fund there. Um, you know what, Scott? There's one thing we do have to mention, and that is. That the P1, as nice as it sounds, is not perfect. What do you mean? Well, there are people who have some quibbles with this. Uh, a lot of it um, comes back to the styling. Hmm. You know, styling, of course, is subjective, but uh, the reviews say it's not an instant hit. Uh, most people say the LaFerrari. Uh, a lot of reviews say the LaFerrari is a more handsome car. Um, I get that. People think that it's got th- that the. I think part of it is the lack of lacquer, um, but people say that it looks awkward. It looks like a fiberglass kit car. The lack of lacquer. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I understand that. It looks a little raw, right? It looks a little. Um, 
looks a little unfinished to them maybe. Yeah. But, but that in a lot of cases, as we said, was for, for weight savings. And they do everything for a reason on this car. Now the LaFerrari, I mean, that's a, is a very finely crafted, well put together vehicle by, La, uh, by Ferrari rather. And I understand that, you know, people, Love the, the, the feel, the look, the, the, the power, the passion of Ferrari. You know, that's just, that's what it's all about. I mean, the sounds and everything, but the LaFerrari, that's in a, that's in a a different class of, of hybrid vehicles, I guess, if you want to put it this way, because it can't, it can't drive on, on all electric power like the, uh, like the P1 can. Very good. I I don't know if a lot of people know that, even though it's a, a hybrid, uh, this is one that's, you know, strictly, um, gasoline powered as far as the, the wheels are concerned. It can't run off of electric power alone. Uh, there's an onboard motor, of course, that we talked about. And I think we have mentioned, haven't we? I don't know if we have or not. Maybe we haven't. But um, there's one electric motor on the LaFerrari chassis as well, but it doesn't drive the wheels like it does in the uh, in the P1, in the P1, or or on the Porsche 918 Spider mm-hmm. because that one can also drive in all electric mode. Ferrari says outright, we're not going to make a car that drives all electric. We just we just don't do that. And you know, I respect that decision because. Uh, you know, you have to be conscious of the idea of brand dilution, you sure. know, and, and specialization. Yeah, I get so, it too. So, uh, in re- kind of um, a response to people's beef with the styling of the P1, McLaren has this great website. And this thing is like a movie. Uh, I think it's designed by air.com. And this shows that this is meant to show their emphasis on aerodynamics and and the weight savings. So you can actually look at a virtual model of a P1 and see where the air currents cut in and why they have, you know, the 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 weird snorkel stuff and the air intakes and why the the rear of the vehicle is designed the way it is and it sold me on that. So it explains away a lot of the reasons why people might have a problem with it. They may say, like, well, that back end just doesn't look right to me, and but they can show you this is why it looks that way because it's, yeah. it, it's uh, what is it, function, uh, form, form, form over, over function. function, form over function. Or function over form. I always get those backwards. Is that yeah. right? Anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's let's, function over function. Let's let it go with that, and we'll just say it. So <laughs> you, you understand what I mean, though, right? I mean, yeah. they, they show you why it works. And and you can kind of play around with that thing, right? Because I saw you on your and your desktop messing with that, and uh, it looked really cool. It looked uh, like a neat uh, simulation, almost like a simulator that you were driving, almost. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's very strange that that counts as work research. Now, one thing I do have to correct myself on is that earlier I said sixty-one engineers, um, but I found a couple of different numbers there because I also found a review that said. There were 82 engineers working on this hmm. and that it took them more time. So, uh, as, so just keep in mind that there might be a little bit of a variance either, in that number. Either way, it's a hand built sports car that, uh, roughly put together in a day and you can go watch it yourself. You can watch it being put together if you, if you're lucky enough to be able to buy one of these things. Uh-huh. Um, if you've worked hard enough to be able to do something like that. Now that's, that, that leads me to, and I'm going to ask you this later. Okay. Not right now. This will be like my last question, but, but try to remind me. About that later, you know, the, the whole thing with, uh, with, you know, once you own a vehicle like this, okay? okay. And I'll, I'll try to remember too, but, um, I also want to talk about the press coverage and then maybe just a little bit about the Nürburgring because there's some intrigue going on there with that and, mm. uh, and a little bit of, uh, I don't know, just a little bit of, um, kind of pushing going on, you know, a little, uh, chest puffery going on between okay. Porsche and Ferrari and McLaren right now at the Nürburgring. Oh, yeah, okay. A little bit in, of huffing and puffing. A little bit in Germany, yeah. So, uh, the press coverage as far as the, the first public appearance, 
it was shown at the 2013 Goodwood Festival of Speed for the very first time in motion. You know, a lot of people right. saw it, uh, you know, at an auto show maybe, or they saw sure. it um, because I think it was revealed. Um, I had this somewhere. Was it in Geneva? Geneva? Yeah, Geneva. Do you remember the year? Uh, 2013 Geneva Motor Show. Yeah. Around March. But then later that, that year, that same year, and when is uh, Goodwood held? In June? Yeah, Goodwood is in June, uh, typically. Late June, early July, something right, like yeah. that. Okay. Um, so they, they, um, they, they had the first public showing of the, the P1 and kind of drove it up the hill, I guess. And it was driven by Formula One driver Jensen Button, mm-hmm. um, who drove a black P1 up the hill. And it was the first time the public had ever seen this car being driven live. So it was kind of a big deal. And there were three P1s present at Goodwood that day. There was an, an identical black vehicle that they didn't use. And I oh, guess yeah. I guess that's a backup in case something went yeah, wrong, right? And then there was that yellow one, which is just sitting there to look pretty. Exactly, yeah. So they had, uh, they had a good showing at Goodwood, I guess, you know, to be able to uh, to bring out three vehicles of, you know, the type that I'm sure people were all over it, you know, because yeah. this is the type of vehicle that people don't really get to see in person hardly ever. Right, yeah. As you, I think we already said it at the top. Yeah, you did say it at the top that if you see one of these puppies, Take a photo if you can. Yeah. I mean, if you're driving by and you see one parked, pull over and send the photo to me because I would love to have it. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's going to be a, a rare sighting, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to see one here in Atlanta somewhere because we, we end up with a lot of exotics here. We and, do. And I'll tell you, oh, you know what? I haven't even said this, but um, I drive past on uh, one of my back routes, I guess, to, to avoid some Atlanta traffic. I go down a smaller road in Atlanta here, and I drive right past uh, a, a Lamborghini dealer. Mm. And the parking lot, of course, it has Lamborghini, Lotus, Aston Martin, uh, Spiker. It has all these amazing Whoa, okay. cars, right? And they're all parked outside. They're all, you know, right out there for you to see. Mm-hmm. McLaren has been, uh, the McLaren vehicles have been showing up on the property. Now, there have been, and I've seen a few in traffic. I've seen like the McLaren, what is it, the MP412C? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a few of those on the streets now. So I know that they're coming from that dealership. Wow. And, there, and there's at least three or four parked at the dealership. But I haven't had the guts to really pull in there yet and uh, and see if there's a P1. I doubt it because you know they're, they're so so rare. I yeah, I don't think there would be in the dealership. But also, I I don't like to pull into there on and on a weekday when they're open in my you know beat up Honda Civic either. <laughs> you know because they know I'm not there to buy a car. Obviously, I do like to park you know in, in a lot next but next do, next door and walk over on the weekend when it's all chained up and everything. Right, just but, to check uh, it out. Just to kind of walk through the lot and check out what's there. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Like brand new cars, used cars, but the McLarens are there. I'm going to go check out the MP412C soon. Yeah. Oh, man. Will you take some pictures? Uh, I wish I could drive it, Ben, but there's just no way. There's no There's no chance. I'm, I'm sure the credit check is, uh, is difficult enough to get through. So yeah. let's, okay, let's rent tuxes. Just go with me here. <laughs> I've got a I've got a cane sword. If you can get a monocle and we can hook up some top hats, <laughs> we'll look like the guys in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> well, we'll do accents though. It'll be <laughs> oh well, that's much more classy. I'm sure we'll that'll do British accent that, that'll work out perfect. Um, so okay, yeah. I, I I don't know if there was any more about the press that I wanted to mention. Do you have anything else about the press uh, before? I think we should dive into the intrigue, my friend. All right, all right. The uh, the, the Nurburgring. Yes, sir. and uh, there's some there's some. I don't know, some talking going on about what's happened at the Nürburgring. Oh, yeah, because... here, I'll set it up. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so McLaren announced uh, that they had done a lap in less than seven minutes, um, and they said their average stated speed was uh, a little bit over 111 miles per hour. Okay. But they didn't say the exact time. Mm-hmm. And that's because the Porsche 918 Spider has lapped the Nürburgring in – Six minutes and 57 seconds. So that's just under seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of their direct competitors, the, the Porsche 918 Spider right. that we mentioned. 
that's an you know an eight hundred and forty five thousand dollar supercar hybrid again you know the uh, all wheel drive plug in hybrid right um, Ferrari has also done tests like this I don't know if they've actually I don't know if they've actually gone and run their test yet or not I think they have they have they haven't announced it now see this is the weird part okay so La Ferrari has done it Porsche has done it and they've stated their time six minutes fifty seven seconds. LaFerrari has done it. They haven't stated state of their time. McLaren has done it. They haven't stated their time. But but McLaren knows that Ferrari is going to announce this soon. They're, they know they're going to announce their Nürburgring time. And what I think they're doing is they're just waiting to just completely blow it out of the water as soon as it happens. Because why else would they be holding on to the number? Right. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be pretty close. But still, I I don't know, man. And we we have to emphasize. Um, the importance of having this kind of lap time at the Nürburgring because this is something that becomes a huge selling point for your vehicle if it, you are the fastest. Exactly. One. It's, it's, it's the best bragging rights that are out there right now. It's I the mean, best advertising. It too. really is. And I mean, and there's like the Texas mile that you can talk about. Right. There's a, there's other competitions that you can run in that say, you know, like, well, this car is really fantastic for this reason. Straight out speed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, straight line speed, the uh, fastest zero to 60, that type of thing. The one lap of the Nürburgring has just seems to be like today's test. You know, that's the way that everybody measures themselves against one another. And, and they're no, no different in any way. I mean, there have been some speculation. There's, there's some unofficial reports that, um, a time of like six minutes and 47 seconds has been possible for this thing. So that's a full 10 seconds faster than the Porsche 918 Spider, which is no slouch, by the way. That's, right, a, fast, that's yeah. a fast, fast car. So I'm guessing that the LaFerrari is going to fall somewhere between 647 and 657, because I think mm-hmm. they're going to best the, the Porsche time. But I, I just don't know where uh, McLaren falls in this. Is they're going to be much lower than that, or you know how it's going to all play out. So we're going to see that soon. And if you want to get just a, a quick a quick idea of how fast this thing goes around the track. I mean, you can watch a YouTube video that I've, I've kind of watched a few times now. Uh-huh. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's actually one of these things that like, they kind of lull you into sleep with the soft music and this narration. And, and the then they, thing. and then they just shock you with the motor sound and, you know, it's, it's startling. Um, the, the video is called McLaren P1 versus the Nürburgring, uh, Nordschleife. And that's the, uh, the old pronunciation. You can just search McLaren P1 versus the Nürburgring and it'll come up, but, mm-hmm. um, it'll show you not the complete lap, but some of the lap and some of the prep that goes into getting on the course and this real dramatic narration. It's really a well put together short film, really. Yeah. 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 It's only a couple minutes long, but, uh, it'll, it'll give you an idea of what this car looks and sounds like on the track. Mm-hmm. And it is worth your time just, uh, just do be aware of the change in volume there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now I've got, let's see, we've got one other thing. Oh, uh, I have one, I have one total, totally irrelevant thing that I want to point out. Irrelevant. We'll see. Okay. Now you've heard people say that they cut all of the niceties out of the McLaren P1. However, Scott, that is not completely true. There are two cup holders. Two cup holders, no They're kidding. Also carbon fiber. I never would have guessed that there were cup holders in that car. Well, you know, sometimes when you're driving, you want to make sure that you have your, you know, your Slurpee or your. I just can't believe it. I can't believe. Okay, my problem with that is that why would you ever put food or drink in this vehicle? That's one thing. Yeah, sure. That's that's the huge thing to me. Sure, or be distracted by a drink. That you're trying to uh, trying to slurp down while you're while you're going 186 miles an hour or something. Right. Yeah. Not that you would be doing that, but you know what I mean. It's uh, it's definitely not the place to uh, to have a 
food and beverage, I wouldn't think. But, right. Yeah. Well, well, that's amazing, Ben. I, I hadn't read that anywhere that it has two cup holders. Now, it, but it doesn't have a glove box and no carpets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And thin glass. And thin glass and unlacquered carbon fiber. Uh, does have HVAC though. But it, and it does have room for your big gulp. Well, yeah, you gotta have your big gulp if yeah. you're if you're in your P1 and a beef jerky holder. That's what the other one looks, is. Looks like a vase, but it's a beef jerky holder. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I think we, uh, I don't know if there's other things. Now, I had a couple of questions actually that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You had, uh, you I, said one that we well, really couldn't forget. Well, the first one, and I'm, I'm kind of eliminating this one, but I'll tell you what it was just because I've, I've kind of talked myself out of this one. Okay. And I, I initially wrote this down when we first started digging into this car. And I, I was wondering if you think it's just, you know, by making this a hybrid car instead of just an outright supercar, you know, that, that, uh, if they had just stuck with the gasoline engine versus adding the hybrid technology to it, do you think that by adding that technology, they're just adding complexity to an already complex vehicle? Because supercars are complex to begin with. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're not anything that's uh, mass produced. Obviously, I mean, it's something that's uh, it's difficult to put together, and everything is well thought out, mm-hmm. um, extremely well thought out. Mm-hmm. But but it's just just adding too much complexity. And I think after that Top Gear review that I watched, I, I realized that that. I don't know. It seems like an absurd question now because it's not, it's not that it's too complex. They did it for a reason. I mean, this, this thing works together so well and it works so, uh, perfectly and that, you know, the, the electric motor, it fills in the gaps of the, of the gasoline engine when it's not at its peak performance. The electric motor is taking over. So yeah. it's not like a typical hybrid in that case, you know, where it's just kind of in, laying in wait. This thing is actively helping along the way so when you're shifting and in between gears mm-hmm. the electric motor is kicking in to help keep the speed up and keep the revs up and keep it you know it's just helping you in all these different ways well i think i see what you're saying because it's it's a cohesive whole yeah it's not an electric motor shoehorned into a car yeah i guess so i mean it's uh it's i and i kind of i think you answered your question well, I, I did i got i got away from that one thinking that maybe that's that's kind of silly to think of it that way and and why else would you know porsche and ferrari be doing the same thing i mean obviously they're in competition with you with each other they're not doing it to to create an eco-friendly vehicle right by any means they're they're really doing it because this is the latest and greatest technology and they can take advantage of that technology okay yeah uh i think you've answered it better than i could have so. well i don't know i talked myself out of that one really in, in a lot of ways so uh, so what's the last question here? All right, and this is the final thing that I want to kind of wrap up with, and I want you to think about this, and I want our listeners to think about this. Okay, so I don't have to answer right away? No, not really, okay. but uh, but I wonder if, now, this is a special car. It's, it's I mean, 375 in the whole world. There's going to be far more, um, you know, Porsche 918s produced. There's going to be 918 of those, and the LaFerrari, there's going to be 499 of those. Right. This, there's going to be 375 of these, but I wonder if owning a car like this, something's limited edition, you know, whether it's one of those three or not, does something like this become an all-consuming effort for the owner? I mean, does it become something that you can only think about, you only think about while you're awake, you know, and while you're sleeping? That, you know, it's, it's constantly on your mind. Like, you know, where is my car now? Am I really getting 903 horsepower out of it? Um, uh-huh. what am I going to do to it next? Um, you know, you're worried about where it's parked. You're worried about, um, you know, who's, who's looking at it right now? Are they, are they, you know, touching the windows or whatever. I right. mean, is it something that you would be concerned about, like, while you're sleeping, like, where is it, where it's parked, if it's safe? Um, when you're driving it, are you going to be worried about people bumping into you? Because that happens in traffic. You know, it just That's I've been true. bumped into a few times. You can swap paint. Imagine if you were in a, a million-dollar car, what oh, would happen? Man. So, yeah. you know, before you own it and even maybe, well, of course, during, but even maybe after you own it, would you think about this car all the time? Is it something that would just be kind of all-consuming to you? Because I, I think about my project car. 
I think about yeah. my, my daily driver a lot, mm-hmm. which is kind of silly, but I think about repairs I have to make. I think about my drive home, you know, like, eh, maybe I better check the tire pressure. I know I'm going to need gas and things like that. It's, it's mundane things. And in this car, I would think you would think about like, well, I got to take it in for service because they told me after 500 miles, I have to bring it back to the McLaren dealer for a, uh, I don't know, a $1,500 service, you know, where they check right. the tires and make sure that, you know, my $8,000 rims are still straight and plumb and everything and make sure that all that's correct. And I, I think that this thing would be so heavy on your mind that you would maybe only think about that. I see what you're saying, kind of a, a ring of power thing like in Tolkien. I don't know? know, maybe. It becomes your precious. Yeah. Uh, so that is that is a great question. And what do you think, or if you are listening and you own a, a rare vehicle yourself, do you find yourself in the same situation? Is your concern for your car increased by an order of magnitude? Yeah, am I overthinking it, or is I mean, is this just something like, you know, if, of course if you're buying something like this, that's probably a drop in the bucket, you know, as far as your checkbook is concerned. I don't know, maybe, so, maybe not. So maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's a throwaway, you know, yeah. even, at the, even at that point. It's, a, it's something to show up to a party in and, and show off a little bit, and that's it. Well, uh, we are going to find out. We, I'm going to take some time and think about this before I answer it in full. And uh, listeners, we'd like you to do the same thing. So let us know if you think that owning a supercar like this would make you crazy obsessive. Uh, and you can tell us about this on Facebook and Twitter. Check out our website, carstuffshow.com, and you can write an email with your answer to this question directly. Our email address is carstuffatdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.